Not only do exceptional pieces of jewelry have a way to fascinate us with their beauty, but they also capture our imagination. They can spark stories in our minds, stories of romance, adventure, or even mystery. As a matter of fact, literature, as well as movies, feature a great variety of jewels. You're listening to The Voice of Jewels, a podcast from L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts, supported by Van Cleef and Arpels, unveiling the stories and secrets behind history's most fascinating jewels. Imagine a story at times tragic, yet at other times magical, with a lost diamond as its common thread. A blue diamond standing for hope and fortune, love and special feelings. Do you know what I'm talking about? The heart of the ocean. The jewel at the core of the Titanic movie's plot. But the heart of the ocean is a fictitious jewel, which was inspired by a real jewel and an equally famous diamond, the Hope Diamond. November 1958. Harry is known for always carrying diamonds in his pocket as lucky charms. But the one he is pulling out of his vest this time is larger than usual. A whole lot larger. His hand is almost quivering. Because this one is a special stone. It's particularly beautiful. And dangerous. Although Harry isn't the superstitious type... The fascination in his eyes gives way to anguish because he knows every single facet of this diamond story, including the darkest and oldest ones. September 1812, London. A 45.5 carat diamond of an exceptional size appears as if by magic in the shop of Daniel Eliasson, a precious stones merchant. A renowned lapidary has sketched and described the stone as being an exceptionally fine, yet very odd, dark blue diamond. A blue diamond of probably around 45 carats, a deep blue, was in the possession of a certain jeweler named Eliasson. Paul Paradis, art historian and lecturer at L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts. And he gave permission to another jeweler, Francilian, to actually sketched the diamond, and he created a memo. A very curious, super fine, deep blue diamond. Brilliant cut and equal to a fine, deep blue sapphire. It is beautiful and all perfection without specks or flaws. And the color, even and perfect all over the diamond. This fabulous diamond is unquestionably worth a fortune. Who will be wealthy and bold enough to buy it? The King of England, George IV, is a likely buyer. He is well known for his antics and is already one of Eliasson's customers. Isn't this diamond's blue hue reminiscent of King Arthur's legendary color? But another character, Henry Philip Hope, eventually buys it. He is the heir to a Dutch-English family of bankers and prefers traveling and buying gems to doing commerce. He takes possession of Elias's blue diamond and gives it his own name, Hope. 
the 19th century was a time of, of great uh, change and uh, fortunes were made. And uh, Henry Philip Pope uh, clearly was part of that class. He was a banker and he collected stones. He was a passionate collector. He had other diamonds as well. And although we don't know the exact circumstances under which he acquired uh, this blue diamond, the Hope Diamond, I guess. we do know that it was one of the, the, if I can say, one of his most prized possessions. And yes, diamonds, uh, just like in Louis XIV's time, uh, they started, they represented power. The diamond becomes a little bit more democratized, if I could say. Uh, they still remain uh, expensive and reserved to the elites. But we can imagine, for example, these ladies in America, they saw what French princesses wore, what Eugenie wore. They bought it. So this taste, uh, we call those the princesse dollar, the dollar princesses, the, the Astors, the Vanderbilts. They want to acquire this, uh, these jewels uh, because they consider themselves uh, as well as nobility. So yes, Hope probably is part of this, although he was English, he probably was part of this, uh, these great fortunes. In the early 19th century, Henry Philip Hope's attraction to this stunning diamond might also be guided by his romantic inclination. After all, the famous novelist Goethe made the color blue the quintessential romantic color in his Sorrows of the Young Werther. This color, a mix of depth and transparency, is a symbol of love and of the chimerical quest for the ideal. From this time forward, the story of the Hope Diamond's destiny starts sounding like a romantic drama. It is going to be passed from hand to hand at the whim of fate and of bouts of passion, which will add a legendary dimension to its beauty. The jewel stays within Henry Philip Hope's family after his death in 1839, and eventually gets handed down to Francis Pelham Clinton Hope. But Francis is smitten with May Yohei, a beautiful American singer for whom he squanders his money and ends up penniless. He then has no other choice but to sell the Hope Diamond to a jeweler. May leaves him, and so does the diamond, which is taken to America. But the Hope's new owner goes bankrupt as soon as he arrives in the New World. He then has to sell it off to a Turk emissary of the great Sultan Abdul Hamid II, who is dethroned shortly thereafter this diamond becomes shrouded in an eerie notoriety. As the hope is featured in the Cartier jewelry collection in New York City, the Washington Post publishes an article titled, The Hope Brings Bad Luck to All Its Owners. Well, we know um, the etymology of the word for diamond in English comes from the Greek adamas, which means invincible. And we know, for example, Pliny the Elder, the great Roman historian, he wrote about the diamond is, is invincible and it's one of the most precious uh, products that the earth has to offer. And of course, in the Indian, um, let's say, mythology, uh, the diamond is actually associated with a god figure called Indra. And Indra held in his hand a sort of a sword that was lightning with diamonds on the end. And he could chase ignorance. So it was considered a powerful tool. So there's all of these reasons why diamonds are considered um, powerful. Nineteen ten. Harry Winston is only 14. His and the Hope's trajectories haven't met yet, but their destinies are about to. At Cartier's on Fifth Avenue, 
Evelyn Walsh McLean, is under the diamond spell. And her husband is none other than the heir to the Washington Post's owners. Evelyn has a taste for lovely stories and seemingly for risky business as well. She and her husband purchased the hope. They, however, have a clause added into the contract they signed with the jeweler. Should any fatality occur within the six months following the transaction, Cartier agrees to replace the diamond. So the Hope knew many owners. It's a very complex story, but it does eventually uh, fall into the hands of Pierre Cartier, who was the American representative of the family. And he he actually knew a certain Evelyn Walsh McLean. So Cartier, uh, apparently originally the stone was set in a tiara uh, with uh, with other diamonds, and uh, Mrs. McLean preferred uh, to have it reset. They reset it for her with 16 colorless diamonds in a platinum setting, which resembles the setting that is still existing today. So it went through uh, not so many changes, just from a, a tiara to a necklace. Evelyn is in love with the hope, and she eagerly wears it during high society parties. When she doesn't tie it around her dog's neck, at night she hides it in her favorite spot under the cushions of her sofa. But a few years later, Evelyn's young son dies at age nine, run over by a car. Her husband then loses his mind and ends up in a psychiatric clinic for the rest of his life. Later, her daughter dies from a sleeping pill overdose. The hope is unquestionably cursed. For the public and for Hollywood that produced the 1921 film The Hope Diamond Mystery, written by its penniless former owner, Mei Yohei, there is no doubt about it. Harry puts the diamond down on his desk. He sighs. Evelyn McLean became his friend in her older days. Born to Ukrainian immigrants, he is now the greatest diamond dealer of his time. He, Harry Winston, King of Diamonds, the Jeweler of Stars, has designed jewelry for the likes of Elizabeth Taylor and Jackie Kennedy. When Evelyn dies from pneumonia in 1947, he buys all of her collection. He sets out to display the hope on a traveling exhibition whose revenues go to charities. Today, the time has come for Harry to express his gratitude towards his adoptive country. He has decided to donate the hope to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. He gently picks up the large diamond and slips it into a craft paper envelope with a $2.44 stamp on it. Harry never bought into that curse business. But better safe than sorry, they say. Thus the hope travels one last time, by post, inside a plain envelope, with a mere fragile written on it. Voice of Jewels is a podcast from L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts, supported by Van Cleef and Arpels, with Paul Paradis, art historian and lecturer at L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts, written by Martin Keneon and Aram Kebaccio, performed by Eduardo Ballerini, and produced by Bababam.